The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are committed to getting a top-shelf quarterback in 2022, and that includes Tom Brady, the latest on trade talks and what it'll take for the Buccaneers to open that door back up. Plus, the Los Angeles Rams are Super Bowl champions. Discussing all of this right now on the Locked On Bucks podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucks Nation? Welcome to the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, hosted by myself, David Harris, and my co-host, James Yarko, off for this episode. Both of us are writers over at SB Nations, BucksNation.com. We are free and available on all platforms, and we thank you for making this show your first listen every day when we're not here. Find us on Twitter at JRK underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, at Locked On Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Thanks again for making the Locked On Bucks your first listen or your first view every single day. We are brought to you today by Bet Online. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online, who has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are set to follow the model the Los Angeles Rams followed to win Super Bowl 56, which of course was the model the Tampa Bay Buccaneers set in their Super Bowl 55 win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Still, the Buccaneers, the only home team to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium and win. And as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look to make the next Super Bowl their next Super Bowl win, the team is busy looking for option number two. That, according to a report coming out Sunday morning ahead of the Super Bowl from NFL Network insiders Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero saying, quote, should he remain retired? The Bucs have shifted their focus to other veteran quarterbacks who could be available via trade. Sources have said they're doing extensive homework on Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson and are one of multiple teams expected to explore a potential trade for Russell Wilson, though the Seahawks have given no indication they'll deal him. And quote, Tom Pelissero further stated he's being told the Bucks are doing extensive homework on Deshaun Watson and everything going on with his situation. And, and what I can tell you from the latest that we know, again, Deshaun Watson, a lot of the accusers in the Deshaun Watson case and civil litigation uh, have been deposed. Deshaun Watson, the last to be deposed as the accused, supposed to be deposed here at the end of February, hopefully leading to either a settlement or a judgment before the beginning of the new league year. The Houston Texans have already said that they hope to have a resolution concerning the quarterback before the start of the new league year, whether that is moving him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Miami Dolphins are obviously going to remain uh, a name. Although I think that kind of that sale has, or that ship kind of sailed uh, with the departure of Brian Flores. And there are multiple other teams out there possibly looking for a next quarterback, the New Orleans Saints, are looking for a quarterback, the Washington Commanders, also looking for quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. Wilson said, now Russell Wilson was in Los Angeles doing the radio row bit, kind of talking to people uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, said that he wants to stay in Seattle. He wants to win multiple championships with the Seahawks. So a lot of that could be lip service, could be just the upfront conversation, but a lot of people reporting that Russell Wilson, Coach Pete Carroll, and the Seattle Seahawks having a lot of constructive and productive, positive conversations uh, between the franchise, the leadership, and the player. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers appear to be in a good place right now. So the the talk and the speculation uh, surrounding Aaron perhaps leaving the Green Bay Packers after the season has kind of died down uh, in recent weeks. Uh, but the reports, there were reports that came up that said Russell Wilson, quote-unquote, wouldn't mind playing for the Washington Commanders specifically. I know the Philadelphia Eagles uh, have, have kind of been the front runner uh, in that conversation there. So, Obviously, there is some speculation, some rumor in the background that Russell Wilson, while he's saying all the right things uh, to lead the Seahawks into the future, 
out front and in front of the cameras, still behind the scene, potentially looking uh, to move on from Seattle, depending on what happens there. After those three guys, after after Watson, Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers, you kind of have a drop down uh, in the list of available quarterbacks or guys that could be available to a team like the Buccaneers. You're looking at guys like Jimmy Garoppolo. You're looking at Teddy Bridgewater. And, and at least with Jimmy G, you've got two deep playoff runs, uh, one trip to the Super Bowl with him. So you have that going for him. Then Teddy Bridgewater, a potential option as a new starting quarterback. Uh, again, Bridgewater, you know, most notably in the mix in the conversation back in 2020 when Tom Brady first arrived to the Buccaneers. So don't count him out either. But what if the Bucs wanted to bring on a different veteran quarterback? And we're talking Tom Brady. The Rappaport and Pelissero report also touched on this being a possibility as well, whether or not Tom Brady could have a change of heart and what the Buccaneers could do to get him back on track just like we may be able to help you get your new year's resolution back on track by offering you something sweet that projects to help you reach all of your goals in 2020 because this is the time of year that a lot of new year's resolutions have kind of gone off the track and listen we can help you stick to your resolution if your resolution was eating healthier getting healthier built bar has the solution for you have you tried the built puffs if you haven't you're missing out on one of the best parts of built Com. The, per- the puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are fan favorites with some incredible flavors like yum, like cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, which is so good. I just got a shipment of those myself. These are going to be your new favorite bars. All built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, including the puffs. 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories, while most built bars contain just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, your standard built bar flavors and new this month. White chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Strawberry bars just dropped on Valentine's Day. Go get you some of those. Those are also delicious. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you for making the Lost Dog Bucks podcast first listen or your first view every single day. I'm David Harrison, your solo host for this episode on Twitter at dharrison. 82, my co-host, will be back with me for the next episode, James Jarko. You can find him on Twitter at jarko underscore bucks. Everything we're writing about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at bucksnation.com. Part of SB Nation on Twitter at bucks underscore nation. The show at Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast. Network your team every day. Let's continue this conversation about Tom Brady potentially retiring. I know a lot of people out there discredit it, discount it. Look, as long as it's as long as it's being talked about, right, early December, mid-December, when we first started hearing rumblings that maybe Tom Brady was considering retiring, and then that thing sped up super quick, super active. And at first, a lot of people, a lot of speculation about whether he would or would not never count out the competitive nature of, of an individual. Ian Rapport tweeting on Sunday, despite Tom Brady's retirement announcement, the Bucs aren't giving up hope that he'll return and play in 2022. And Brady hasn't shut the door completely either publicly or privately in the article, in the story that they published, they wrote quotes, while people close to Brady consider the chances of that happening to be remote, the Bucks have made it clear to Brady they'd be willing to do what it takes as they have since they originally recruited him to Tampa two years ago. And that brings up 
an interesting part of this conversation in what would it take to bring Tom Brady back out of retirement? Well, part of it obviously has to be the blessing of his family, right? That's the whole reason uh, he stepped away in the first place or has said that he's going to step away in the first place is family time. His wife deserving to have her husband around maybe a little bit more and to spend time with his kids and all those things. So obviously, first and foremost, he would have to have the blessing of his wife and his family. And I, and I have to say, just from observing them and just kind of from the course of way things happen, you know, Giselle wanted him to re- retire before this last season, before, uh, or, you know, after the Super Bowl. Remember the clip of her, you know, celebrating with him on the field and asking what else he has, you know, what he has left to prove, uh, rather, which obviously is nothing, yet he still returns to the game. And I think everybody kind of understands that competitive nature. Uh, you know, even Tom Brady, there, there, is a, there is a clock for Tom Brady that will someday uh, expire whenever that is, that he just can't be as successful and as effective as a football player as he wants to be or as that he is uh, currently right now. And again, from the last time we saw Tom Brady, he was throwing bombs to Mike Evans over Jalen Ramsey. So, you know, obviously he's he's a fully capable person. So what would it take for him to come back? Obviously, if Tom Brady's coming back, he's not coming back just to play. He's not coming back just for the love of the game and all that stuff. No, he's coming back to win, right? That's exactly what he's going to want to do. And you, first and foremost, have a head coach in Bruce Arians who's also of the same mindset. Every single season, your job is to come in and go after a Super Bowl. And everybody says that, right? But when you look at, like, the Jacksonville Jaguars, like Doug Peterson, he's going to come into Jacksonville. He's going to say, you know, we're here to win a Super Bowl. We're here to win a title. But let's be real about it. His first job is to evaluate this roster, see where they can build, and start to develop the Jacksonville Jaguars into a consistent uh, uh, competitor, right? I don't think anybody's expecting the Trevor Lawrence-led Jacksonville Jaguars to do in year two what the Joe Burrow-led Cincinnati Bengals did in year two. So when you look at the top Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady and what they both want in a relationship to potentially return, I think first and foremost, you have to re-sign Chris Godwin. Having Mike Evans is obviously great, having that number one receiver, but what the Buccaneers showed uh, during the postseason run is the value in having a true number two receiver. Losing Chris Godwin to the injury, losing Antonio Brown uh, to the other situations, left the Buccaneers where Rob Gronkowski essentially was your second best receiver uh, on the field. And as great as Rob is, he, a, a true number two wide receiver uh, trumps kind of that that top tight end. More some, more often than not, you look at some of these teams around the NFL that don't have a number two receiver, but they have a really good tight end. Uh, I'm looking kind of at the Kansas City Chiefs. You can make a run, right? But for the most part, you're going to end up faltering somewhere because you just can't threaten the field far enough. So re- bringing, back, bringing back Chris Godwin has to be a number one priority. Also, you have to bring back Ryan Jensen. I think if you're looking at Tom Brady like Tom, I know that Robert Hainsey has been there and he's done some work. I don't think Tom is going to want to break in a young center still learning the game. He needs that veteran. And honestly, he needs that nasty leadership in the trenches. Ryan Jensen brings that for him. So bringing back Ryan Jensen is going to be uh, priority number 1A. I think all of these things basically have to be accomplished in order for the Buccaneers to have a solid chance of convincing Tom Brady to come back. Then you got to address the pass defense and look, I think you, at a minimum, have to either bring back Carlton Davis or you have to commit to trading up for a top cornerback in the uh, in the NFL draft, depending on how the money works. The Buccaneers have a very limited scope uh, of salary cap that they have to work with in this offseason. So, again, making all the numbers work, all of those things are going to be a key to this. But if the Buccaneers can bring back Chris Godwin, if they can bring back Ryan Jensen, if they can re-sign Carlton Davis or at least make a commitment to Tom you know, in talking, saying, listen, we will do what it takes to go get one of the top cornerbacks in this year's NFL draft to kind of help shore up that pass defense that we've seen from time to time during the season, put the offense in a position where they had to go out and make plays. 
I think Tom, coming from New England, you look at how much they really put on his shoulders there are the Patriots. He's looking for this team to do some things to maybe not not make it to not make it be Tom Brady's responsibility to get the team to win, but make him more of a process or a part of a winning team structure. So that cornerback's going to be incredibly important. And then commits trying to get Gronk back for another year. Who knows if Gronk honestly even wants to play? He may want to go give it a try with another quarterback. He's mentioned the Cincinnati Bengals. And look, when you look at what the Cincinnati Bengals just did, it's hard not to think that if Rob Gronkowski's on the field. Playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, they're probably Super Bowl champions. In fact, Joe Burrow doesn't hurt his knee uh, there towards the end of the game. They're probably Super Bowl champions. And when I talk about committing to going and getting one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL draft of year, the Buccaneers, it doesn't necessarily mean, in my mind anyway, that you have to go get the number one guy, right? So when we look at this draft class and cornerbacks, so we're going to touch on this a little bit. We're not going to do a too deep of a dive on prospects because we do have our defensive back, our secondary position group review and projections and, and targets. Uh, coming up the way we did with quarterbacks a couple weeks ago, the way we do with wide receivers and tight ends this past week, the way we're going to do with running backs this week, starting with our next episode. But you look at the cream of the crop, right? The very top cornerback in this year's group is Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, very simply. And looking at the latest pro football network mock draft over there, uh, they've got Sauce going number four overall. The Buccaneers currently sit at number 27. To go from 27 to four, you're not going to do it. Like it's it's not it's not going to be a trade that happens for anything other than an Andrew Luck or a Joe Burrow, you know, a franchise type quarterback. So Sauce Gardner probably not on the list of realistic expectations. Next up, going number twelve, they had Kair Elam out of Florida coming off the board. I think number twelve is still probably too high to expect the Buccaneers to jump and still remains with us in draft capital moving forward. Although I do like Kair Elam. Uh, again, though, Florida defensive backs in Tampa uh, and, and with the Buccaneers just have not had their greatest track record. So I think you kind of stay away from that anyway. And that brings us to the next two. You have Clemson's Andrew Booth Jr. going number 16 and you have LSU's Derek Stingley Jr. going 21st. And I think Stingley Jr. by and large is considered maybe the the top ceiling guy in, in this defensive back class uh, just from a, a potential standpoint. But injury concerns. Uh, are something that are real with him. So you look at Booth Jr., a little bit shorter than Derek Stingley Jr., but number 16, number 21, obviously number 21, which I think is the New England Patriots, a little bit easier to trade up into from uh, from 27. Obviously, you need a trade to 20, not 21, uh, or you know if you can get the Pats to move out of that spot because if the Pats are looking at a Derek Stingley Jr., that's what you're going to have to do. So you look at it, and really, so if you're, if you're talking about trying to convince Tom Brady to come back, you bring back Chris Godwin, you bring back Jensen, Uh, If you can't bring back Carlton Davis, then you make a commitment to going and getting basically either Andrew Boo Jr., Derek Stingley Jr., or the next guy on the board. And that's where the conversation has to be had, right? Because the next two cornerbacks off the board, according to PFN, are Trent McDuffie and Roger McCreary. Now, both of those guys are under 5'11". Both of those guys have kind of shorter wingspans. Neither of those guys really fits the the typical uh, Todd Bowles cornerback that I think you're looking for. So for me, the third guy left on the board in a realistic position to possibly trade up for, you probably don't even have to trade up for him. And it's Kyler Gordon out of Washington. Uh, PFN has him going 55th overall. So in theory, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can stand pat at number 27, maybe even trade back and still get one of the top three realistically available cornerbacks in this year's draft class. And of course, guys, these boards are going to move all over the place, all draft season as we get ready for April. So, that's something that I think is, is something important. So, and honestly, even if you bring back Carlton Davis and you bring back Chris Godwin, when you're looking at Tom Brady and what he's kind of looking for, 
and you look at that secondary and some of the things that they were unable to do, some of the opponents they were unable to stop, I still think maybe you tell them, look, dude, you come back. We'll, we'll, we got Mike. We'll bring back Chris. We'll do our best to get Rob back on board. We got, we got Carlton coming back, and we're going to do what we can to get you either an Andrew Booth Jr. or a Derek Stingley Jr. to play there with Jamel Dean and with Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting can fit into whichever role uh, is remaining for him to fit into. You have more depth now. You have more young talent and athleticism there in the secondary, and I think that is something that can help the Tampa Bay Buccaneers consider or get Tom Brady to consider potentially changing his mind. And essentially what we're talking about is making moves, the kind of the Rams model of building a winning team, winning the Super Bowl 23-20 over the Cincinnati Bengals. So first and foremost, congratulations to them. Congratulations to the Locked On Rams podcast and the Locked On Bengals podcast for being in the game in general. But basically what the Rams did is they took this approach of saying draft picks are for the future, spending assets is for the now. And when you look at some of their key players, Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, Sony Michelle wasn't uh, really as, as big of a contributor, I think, but he's still part of this conversation. In order to get those four guys, the Rams mortgage their future, 2020 first round pick, 2021 first, third, and fourth, 2022 first, second, third, and sixth, 2023rd or 2023 first, fourth, and seventh. That's what it costs the Rams to get that team, and they won a championship. So I think when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you're looking to make that move, if you're looking to move up, to 16 if you're looking to move up to 21 if you brought back some of those veteran players you can make that move a little bit knowing that you have the depth to be able to kind of uh, absorb the draft capital loss and look if it takes you you know moving up to number 16 to number 15 in order to go get a Derek Stingley Jr. and Andrew Booth Jr. if Ahmad Sauce Gardner falls down like 12 or 13 do you send a couple of draft picks and maybe some future thirds and in part of a package in order to move up and go get them I think if you're the Buccaneers, and if that's what Tom Brady's looking for in order to return, I think you make a commitment to doing that. Some very important moves are made in the offseason by the Rams and in season as well with the signing of Odell Beckham Jr. And we saw those really shape their run to the Super Bowl. A lot of these moves that are going to shape the 2023 NFL season are going to start happening very soon. The Buccaneers are in a position to make some noise. We'll see how aggressive they really get. We're going to be there for it all, and so will betonline.net because football might be over this season. But basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops, and the NFL draft is right around the corner, so plenty of props coming up there. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. One last segment here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, kicking off the week with David Harrison going solo on Twitter at dharrison82. My co-host James Jarko at jarko underscore bucks. Both of us writing for SB Nations, bucksnation.com. You can find that on Twitter at bucks underscore nation. The show at Locked On Bucks, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. So the Los Angeles Rams come away with the Super Bowl win, being aggressive, spending their future to win today. And that's exactly what they did is they won. Well, Sunday, not today, but won this season. And they'll spend the offseason and the entirety of next season up until around mid-February as the Super Bowl champions. But what about the Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, they're in the game, so they have something that we can learn from as well, right? So I go back to the NFL draft and Cincinnati Bengals. Look, nobody considered them to be a team that was kind of on the cusp of making a run to the Super Bowl. I think they surprised a lot of people, including themselves, possibly. And when you look at their draft strategy, 
versus so you have the Rams who spend the draft capital to get known commodities and talent now in order to make that push. Cincinnati Bengals basically went for their future and specifically starts with drafting wide receiver Jamar Chase over offensive lineman Panay Sewell. But when you look at the NFL draft, I know a lot of people out there kind of dog mock drafts and think maybe they're kind of pointless and worthless, but mock drafts have a big, big value inside of NFL organizations. You've talked to former scouts, current scouts, GMs, all that stuff. Look, guys, NFL teams mock draft. They do. They they sit down, they mock, they look at mock drafts. They look at everybody's mock draft. Like they're honestly probably not going to BucksNation.com to look at David Harrison's mock draft, but like Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, Bucky Brooks, Mel Kuyper, you know, Todd McShay, all these guys, like they're looking at mock drafts and they're mock drafting uh, inside their own house based on kind of the trends and tendencies and what they think people will do. So your Cincinnati Bengals sitting at the 2021 NFL draft and you look at it, you could either have a combination of a guy like Jamar Chase and potentially another lineman, or you could have Panay Sewell and maybe a Rondale Moore, maybe an Elijah Moore. Now, does Penny Sewell make your offensive line better? It absolutely does. But does Rondale Moore or Elijah Moore make your wide receiver group as explosive as Jamar Chase did this year? I think obviously you say not, right? Jamar Chase, number one, or uh, you know, uh, all-pro caliber performance in his first season in the National Football League, hard to say that anybody else would have provided that type of, of production. So even though at the time, my, I myself included, James included, we all kind of said, you're crazy. You have to protect Joe Burrow. You have to go Panay Sewell there, not Jamar Chase. I think in the end, and even with looking at the sacks that Joe Burrow took during the playoff run, I still think they made the right decision uh, going Jamar Chase in hindsight, right? And you can't have both, right? So if, if the Cincinnati, I look, at, I look at it this way, if Cincinnati Bengals go Panay Sewell, Joe Burrow probably sacked less. Joe Burrow better protected, um, but they don't have the explosiveness on offense that they did this year with Jamar Chase, and they probably aren't winning the AFC North. They probably aren't playing in the Super Bowl. Again, that's a split timeline that we're never going to get to travel down, but I think that's a reasonable expectation to say that even though the Cincinnati Bengals, if they go Panay Sewell over Jamar Chase, protect their quarterback better, I don't think they're as effective as an offense as they were in 2022. So Jamar Chase, uh, 100%, in my eyes, the right pick now. Moving forward for the Cincinnati Bengals, now they've got to protect the quarterback. Now they've got to address secondary. You can't come back next year and have Eli Apple as one of your main defensive backs in the, in the National Football League. You just, you just can't afford to do it. And fortunately for the Bengals, maybe, look, you, you scouts are already looking at 2023 right now in NFL organizations. Perhaps maybe somebody looked and said then said, look, top-end wide receiver talent is hard to get. The offensive line class coming out in 2022 is going to be really solid and really good top to bottom. So if we want to push that can down the road a little bit, having a younger head coach, a newer head coach, a younger quarterback, you kind of have uh, that 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 ability to do that. So now you look at they have Jamar Chase. They may be able to get an offensive lineman here at the back end of round one that could have been maybe the second or third offensive lineman off the board in 2021. So I think that is kind of something valuable to look at. When I look at the Buccaneers and what they might potentially be looking for, pick number 27, as it stands right now with the roster with so many free agents unsecured, uh, you have a lot of needs on this roster. And according to the Pro Football Network mock draft, again, uh, that I referenced earlier, they have the Buccaneers selecting Georgia Edge, Trevon Walker, with that number 27 overall pick. Look, I get it, J- Jason Pierre-Paul, currently not on the roster for 2022. Maybe he's going to retire. Maybe he's just going to go play somewhere else. Maybe the Buccaneers just decide not to bring him back. Whatever it is, it leaves you with Shaquille Barrett, Joe Tryon, Schwenke, Anthony Nelson. Again, we'll get into a deep dive in those position groups later, but I really want to look at it right now. So when the Buccaneers take Trevon Walker with the roster in, in, in its current state, 
You still have Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave, Iowa center Tyler Linderbaum, tight end Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina, Jalen Petrie, the safety out of Baylor, defensive lineman DeMarvin Leal out of Texas A&M, and cornerback Kyler Gordon out of Washington still on the board. Is it is it is it possible to say that the Buccaneers should go a different direction there? Again, looking at the roster as it is now, no Chris Godwin. Chris Olave would have a lot of value. No Ryan Jensen, Tyler Linderbaum, a lot of value there. No Gronk, Isaiah Likely is a good, no Jalen, uh, no uh, Jordan Whitehead, Jalen Petrie. Like, so what are your critical areas? Like pass protection, passers, pass receivers, and pass defenders, and pass rushers. I think those are your five kind of premium standpoints, right? And if you look at Ed Shravon Walker, he fits one of those, those five. He's, he's an edge rusher. It's a premium position. But then you look down the list, right? So let's say we don't go edge in round one. Well, in round two, who are the edge rushers that might be available? Well, for one, you're leaving Walker on the board. So he's actually going to go later than 27, which means that kicks that can down the road a little bit. Then you have Boye Mafe out of Minnesota still on the board. The edge there. You even look in the third round, Arnold Ebiketti out of Penn State, the edge rusher. He looks really good. Majai Sanders out of Cincinnati is still on the board here for PFN. And again, the boards are going to shift and move a lot, and they already have a lot of different opinions. But there's edge talent is my point to be found throughout the thing. So then, like you look at wide receivers, for example, Chris Olave, if you take him to be your number two, not a lot of number two caliber wide receivers left on the board moving forward in the draft. I mean, other guys like Christian Watson, I'm North Dakota State, one of my favorites coming out of the senior bowl, gone by the time the Buccaneers come back to draft. John Mechie is a guy, John Mechie the third Alabama is a guy that was still on the board there uh, in round two. And then you moved to round three and you're really not likely to find an immediate number two caliber wide receiver. Then you look at the DBs. Cornerback Kyler Gordon out of Washington still on the board. I think that's a huge part, especially if uh, Carlton Davis isn't on the team. Even if Carlton Davis is on the team, Martin Emerson is still on the board from Mississippi State there. When you get to round two, Mario Goodrich a target possibly uh, out of Clemson there in round three. But I look at it and I think the best position for you to get here that doesn't diminish as much as you go down the rounds, honestly, is cornerback. So with this group of, of, of players, I think you either have to go Chris Olave out of Ohio State or then you have to go Kyler Gordon out of Washington, and then you start addressing the other premium areas uh, as you get down on the list. But, I mean, bottom line from doing this exercise, what what you come to find out is there's just so much talent in this year's draft class. No matter where the Buccaneers are drafting, how aggressive they decide to get in the trade-up, trade-down business, if the Buccaneers want to spend draft capital to win now the way that the Rams did, they're going to be able to find talent in doing so. If the Buccaneers want to follow the Bengals model of staying pat, taking the best combination of players based on who you project will be available in the coming rounds, they can certainly do so and get some top shelf, top shelf talent. So if you're a Buccaneers fan out there with Tom Brady, without Tom Brady, there's still a lot of reason to be confident moving to a season that you're going to have a talented roster. The reason there's so much trepidation right now is we don't know who's going to be taking the snaps of quarterback. And that's obviously a huge question that we will continue to monitor continue to talk about as we get through the offseason. But for now, guys, we're going to wrap up this episode. We want to thank you again for making this episode of the Locked on Bucks podcast your first listen of the day. Make sure you come back tomorrow. James and I are going to kick off our running back group discussion, talking about the players that are still on roster for 2022, the players that might come back, might not come back, and start talking as we get later into the week about some free agent options. And then, of course, getting back to the NFL draft. If you have takes or questions, Regarding anything we're talking about, send them into LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com or call them in to 813-444-5841. Leave a, vo- leave a voicemail. Let us know what you're thinking. For your second listen, make sure you check out Locked On Bets Podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, 
with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Free and available on all platforms, just like this show, the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We thank you again for tuning in until we until we speak again. If you're out about, please be safe. Be kind to one another. Wash your hands. Fire the cannons. And thank you for joining me right here at Locked On Bucks.